Baba Muhammad Ali. Uh, I thought that I would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the passing of uh, Muhammad Ali and his contributions uh, uh, to humanity or to the world, uh, for that matter. Uh, let me get uh, your assessment of what Muhammad Ali uh, stood for. You know, uh, first of all, if conventional wisdom wasn't that uh, death is part of life, and also given the fact that uh, Ali was obviously ailing uh, with Parkinson's disease and for a very long time, I would probably say that his death was a huge tragedy. But unfortunately, I think it was a blessing for him, really, uh, or fortunately, because I think the man has to go and rest. Uh, who was Ali? An incredible human being. A man that was obviously the greatest, both inside the boxing ring and outside the boxing ring. Especially when you look at his passion, his love for people, and always, for some reason, wanted to be part of a solution for the small guy, for the guy that was, had no voice. He wanted to give a voice to the voiceless. Uh, what was uh, your reaction when you heard that uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all <laughs> great men, had uh, passed on? My immediate reaction probably would have been to cry, really. Uh, because this is someone that um, I connected with when I was a very little kid, back in Kavale, southwestern Uganda, as a teenager, uh, watching him in the cinema, reading about him in the local daily newspapers, magazines, and what have you. He became an instant hero for me. There are a lot of uh, uh, great people that uh, have come before Muhammad Ali, the great people who are living today. Uh, but what uh, made Muhammad Ali stand out? Uh, why is he different uh, from uh, all the other greater uh, boxers that uh, we know? Uh, maybe take, for instance, uh, Freud Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Joe Frazier. Uh, these are all uh, uh, great boxers of our time, but they don't measure up to Muhammad Ali. Why is that? Well, it's very simple, uh, Paul, because uh, let's face it. Look at the man's style. Uh, the man who would not only say, but in fact, would float like a butterfly. A heavyweight champion of the world floating like a butterfly, Paul and stinging like a bee. He was remarkably handsome. He was a great orator. In fact, some might say, even he himself, a great poet. He was probably even much better outside of the boxing ring, interacting with people, interacting with forces uh, that sometimes are very unpleasant to millions and millions of people, and yet he was the kind of guy that was always reassuring, was always on the side of the small guy, was always the guy that gave a voice to the voiceless. As a matter of fact, one of the key competitors of Ali, a one Freud Patterson, at one time a world heavyweight champion, he actually said, among other things, that he was a boxer. But Ali was history.
lot of uh, people who have fought uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, even uh, at uh, his uh, memorial service, uh, people came out in thousands uh, to give uh, eulogies about uh, what Muhammad Ali stood for. And what stood out of all those uh, messages that were being read was that it didn't matter whether he fought you, he still became your friend. Uh, how do you characterize that kind of personality? He was a very uniquely gifted individual. You know, I had an opportunity last week to interact with one of the great boxers uh, that he fought against in 1980, Larry Holmes, a man who had in fact been his sparring partner for four years. Lale told me, when I asked him, I said, Lale, how come when you beat the greatest in 1980, your immediate reaction was to cry? And Lale said, you know, Shaka, I had to cry because I couldn't believe what I had just done. First of all, I obviously wanted to win, and I beat the greatest. But at the same time, I was so sad. Sad because I had beaten not only my former boss, but my friend. He, in fact, said he went to Ali's dressing room and actually told him that he still loved him. And Ali said, wait a minute. How can you possibly still love me when you whipped me? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Ali was a very, very unique and remarkable individual, especially for some of the stands that he took, the positions that he embraced, at a time when most people in his position would have run away from that. For example, back in 1967, he is the heavyweight champion of the world. The military wants to, you know, to draft him, to go and fight in Vietnam. And Ali says, wait a minute. Why should I, in fact, go and fight Vietnamese? These brown people have not done anything bad against me. You, the United States government, are the ones, in fact, doing bad things against my people, people like me. And now you tell me to go to Vietnam? I can't go. Of course, he used the justification of his religious freedom. He said that uh, his religion does not allow him to get into that type of business. And of course, three years later, he was exonerated by the United States highest court. The Supreme Court made him free. talk about uh, uh, his significance uh, when it comes to uh, the African continent. He made several trips uh, to the continent. Uh, he met uh, uh, a lot of leaders. Uh, he was uh, one of Mandela's uh, uh, role model. Help me understand what was happening at the time. You see, Ali became the sort of person that uh, was capable of doing things that were not expected to be done or accomplished by ordinary people. Ali was capable of doing extraordinary things and yet remain a very ordinary human being. When he won the heavyweight championship of the world in 1964 in Miami, Florida against uh, Sonny Liston, he was not expected to do it. 
Sonia was supposed, in fact, to kill him, maybe in the first three or four rounds. But guess what? Ali beat him so bad. And soon after that, guess where he goes? His first trip was to Ghana, Accra, where he was received by then Ghanaian president, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, who apparently gave him an autographed book, a copy of his autographed book called Africa Must Unite. Ali started giving a voice, for example, to civil rights movement. He started talking about certain things that were not expected uh, to be spoken by people in his position because uh, they felt that uh, he had certain things to protect. Mind you, being a heavyweight champion of the world, accessed him to a lot of funds, a lot of money, a lot of prestige, a lot of advantages. But he was not the kind of guy who cared about that. Because for Ali, it was not about Ali. It was not about me. It was about us. to uh, you as a young man watching his fight in uh, the Congo. Yes, interesting, the Rambo in the jungle. Paul, I woke up around 3 a.m. because uh, the march was supposed to be broadcast live from Kinshasa uh, in Central Africa around 4 a.m. Uh, East African Standard Time. So I am watching uh, this fight. But to be very honest with you, I was a very interested watcher. I was a very interested uh, type of guy because I was a fan of Muhammad Ali. Uh, I was the type of person who believed that he was indeed the best, the greatest. And I was the type of guy who believed that no one could actually beat him, even if he was beat. But you know, several years later, I have the opportunity to meet Muhammad Ali when I'm a, an, I'm a, I am an undergraduate student in upstate New York. He talked about power can be so intoxicating just in the same way that drugs, in fact, can make somebody get high, get stoned, just in the same way that alcohol can do the same thing to a human being. He said, that is power. And I looked at him, I admired my hero. But this time it was different because guess what? We were breathing the same airport in the same building, in the same hall, upstate New York in Albany. Mm -hmm. 